This podcast is presented by the Verizon Partner Network. Hi, and welcome to the podcast brought to you by the Verizon Partner Network. Today, we are talking about something very important for a lot of businesses today, diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. What does that look like in the workplace? And specifically, when it comes to Verizon's stakeholders, we're talking about employees and customers and shareholders, and then of course, the society as a whole. So we are going to look closer into equity. Why equity? Why equity now? And of course, as always, we will take a look at what happens if companies are not having this type of conversation conversation that we are about to have today. So I'm excited to kick things off. And of course, if you are looking to meet these industry standards, you will definitely want to keep tuning in. It is with great pleasure that I can introduce you to our three guests today, Magda Irizarry, Martina, and Harry Furlow. I'm going to have them each briefly give an introduction and tell us a little bit more about themselves. Magda. Hi, Michelle. I'm Magda Isari. I am Verizon's Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer. It's great to be here with everyone today. I use the pronouns she, her, ella, and I am today uh, wearing a red jacket. I am wearing a Verizon Unity t-shirt, and I have long, dark hair, and I am olive skin tone. Harry? Hello, Michelle. Hello, everyone. I'm Harry Furlow. I am the Director of Human Resources, uh, supporting our global network and technology organization. My pronouns are he and him, and I am a Black African-American male. I am wearing a Black jacket, and I, too, am wearing my Unity shirt like Magda. We are twinning today, and I am uh, brown-skinned. And Mark? Good afternoon, Mark Tina. I am our Vice President of Mid-Market Sales. I lead our sales organization across the Eastern U.S. My pronouns are he and him, and I am a white male. And thank you all not only for introducing yourselves, but also sharing the pronouns and self-identifiers. Of course, we may have someone listening who may be visually impaired. And I think a key word that we are going to have come to light today is sensitivity. And I appreciate your sensitivity for everyone who may be tuning in or watching. It is hard to believe, but two years ago, we were just going into lockdown and quarantine and emotions were very high. And a lot of people were turning to comfort foods. I know we ate a lot of ice cream in my household. So not only were emotions high from something that we didn't understand, we were fearful. Then tragically, we watched the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd and all the social unrest that came about across the country. And once again, our emotions just at the highest level. We flip things now. We are in Pride Month, and that is a time to celebrate LGBTQ+. And basically advocate for human rights of all people, regardless of their sexual orientation or their gender. So all three of these topics, of course, high emotion and a lot of sensitivity there. We can go on any social media page and see the feelings that people project when it comes to talking about things that are very sensitive. How do you handle those things, though, in the workplace? And more importantly, how do you get companies to spearhead movements that are centered on empathy and equity? I can start, Michelle. Thank you so much. When, when we think about Verizon, we understand that we have a big responsibility. We have the privilege of serving millions of customers. We have you know, over 125,000 employees. And we know that with each interaction 
we're able to demonstrate our commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's not a program, it's not a moment, it really is an expression of, of who we are. And so when we think about what we can do inside of our walls and we think about you know, things that many companies are doing, for example, if you train your employees around sensitivity, around empathy, around inclusion, you not only make your own workplace a place of belonging and a place where people could truly unleash themselves so as to be most productive, so as to be most able to contribute to the bottom line of the business. You also are touching your families. You know, Michelle, you talked about, you know, your home and what was going on in your home. And so we have really the impact inside of our employee base, but also all of the significant relationships that they have, their neighborhoods, their communities. And we take that very, very seriously uh, because we know that as a leader, we have uh, that accountability inside of our walls that extends well beyond our walls um, and our own employees. But it starts at home. It starts inside of our walls. Who are we really? And making sure that, again, not only in terms of how we train people, how do we onboard people? How do we run meetings? I mean, think about the hybrid environment that we're going to find ourselves in. How do we ensure that the culture of the organization is one that is inclusive and that truly it goes beyond any particular program, whether it's a training program or a communications program, but really an extension embedded. I have the privilege of being with Harry and with Mark. They're in different parts of the business and they are bringing DEI to life every day across our stakeholders. So I think that it has to truly be a part of who you are so that people on your team, V-teamers, can truly then reflect the values and, and the credo of Verizon in every interaction with each other, with our customers, in our communities, and creating value for our shareholders ultimately. Yeah, and Michelle, I would like to add to that. As Magda talked about inside of our walls, I think in terms of equity and inclusion, we really created an environment where it became a part of our DNA to create more awareness of what equity and inclusion is. And one of the things that we decided to do, as you mentioned, going back to a couple of years ago, is really sharing examples of what inclusion is and, and what good looks like. We actually started an initiative where we had uh, employees throughout our entire network and technology organization share examples of when they felt included. And it was really about separating that it's beyond just race and ethnicity. There are so many other examples of what inclusion is, and that really created an awareness and, and really ownership of when I felt included, not only from the leadership standpoint, but across the entire organization. And that's something that was well-received, not only in our network and technology organization, but across our entire enterprise, where we started to share those examples. And it's now a part of our training and development program. So really proud of that work. I mean, you think about how, how do we live and breathe that inside of the organization and share those examples of employees who had different experiences of when they felt included. Yeah, one other key element that I'd like to chime in here with Magda and Harry is really the idea of allyship. We hear a lot about that out there when you hear about diversity, equity, inclusion, and other topics. And what I want to really add to the conversation here is that you don't necessarily need to maybe fit the profile 
of the group that you may be advocating for or helping to support, right? And so uh, we find ourselves oftentimes where people feel like, well, I'm not maybe a part of that whatever group that we're referring to. How do I help? How do I do my part? And I think what's so important is that we all take the time to realize that it is critical to address any conscious or unconscious bias that may be out there and then use the platform that we have to be able to amplify what what the cause is here, which is really to bring about a workplace that is filled with with equity and inclusion across the board. Yeah, you know, we talk about sensitivity, as I brought up in the in the beginning of the podcast here, and I really think it, it all comes down to being cognizant of other people, other people's feelings, their emotions. And I love how, Harry, you said, uh, good. What does good like look like? It, it reminds me of the Spike Lee famous film, Do the Right Thing. We should be just doing the right thing just for the purpose of it's good. But very interesting twist here. We are talking about business and pulling from the Verizon credo. It states, quote, we embrace diversity and personal development, not only because it's the right thing to do, but also because it's smart business. So as part of the company culture at Verizon, employees have access to resource groups called ERGs that are reflective of what it takes to move the world forward. I'd like to share this quote from Verizon. ERGs champion our differences and contribute their unique perspectives to solving complex challenges both within and outside the workplace. They elevate the V team's different voices and foster inclusive practices across the company. Employee-led, company-sponsored groups, they are networks that fuel our culture of inclusion and equity to support Verizon's diversity strategy. Here you can pursue initiatives that are important to your community, share your experiences and learn from others. Network professionally and personally, volunteer to serve those in need and contribute to business imperatives. A lot of strong wording there and really great wording there. So what are some ways each of you has gotten involved with DEI at work? Or if I could just tag on to the employee resource groups, they certainly were part of my onboarding 32 years ago when I first came into what was then a legacy company. And it really is just that community, that, that place where whatever identity you have, and you're looking at me, I described my pronouns, but you don't know a whole lot about me. There are many dimensions of who I am. But when I came into the company, the identity I plugged right into was my Hispanic identity. And I found a community of people who, quite frankly, taught me a lot because the membership is across all business groups. So it's a place that you really are able to, to onboard, to connect into, to grow, to learn, to network. And those were very important. And to think that 32 you know, years Later, we have over 24,000 employees around the globe still finding that place of connection. And what I'm probably most proud of is the way that our employee resource groups created solidarity and connection across differences during these very difficult times. We saw growth in our employee resource groups, you know, over 20% growth over the past couple of years when people were feeling so isolated, so disconnected, there was still even virtually this community that came together. And each community is not like this vert, you know, vertical silo. 
Although, yes, there are unique communities that are being celebrated and learned from and learned about. But then there's this horizontal community that has grown. And Mark talked about allies as well. But even, you know, just as a lesbian who is a female, who is Hispanic, who might be a military, you know, veteran, et cetera. There's so many dimensions. And to see our employee resource groups really connect all those intersections of our identities has been really very, very powerful and I think has really taken off over the past two years. And I know it is part of all of the 2022 strategies to just continue to figure out how do we celebrate what is unique and what unites us and that both of those can happen simultaneously and they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah, and, and Michelle, I think when I reflect on the last two years, you know, our ERGs were just instrumental in supporting our employees, right, through, you know, the experiences that we were all facing and dealing with personally. And I think about, you know, what my call to action was. I, I challenged myself to join other ERGs to better understand and even support other groups. As you talked about career development, understanding the charge and the initiatives, and as a result of that, We've started to create you know, more awareness of those groups throughout our, our entire organization by sharing you know, that you not only have to identify with the group, but even if you don't identify with the group, you still can join the group to support their initiatives. And, and to that point, we've seen, you know, to Magda's point, more of an increase in membership. So we continue to do that to create more of that allyship. That's been a huge area of focus for us. But I think personally, just taking it upon myself to join more ERGs to better support and better connect uh, to other employees throughout Verizon. Yeah, it's it's really a perfect example and demonstration of allyship, what you're starting to see within our ERGs. So to the comments I made earlier, you don't have to, and obviously Harry just said it as well and, Ma and Magda, but really you don't necessarily need to orient with the profile of the ERG that you're representing or you're supporting or that you're contributing to. So myself, for example, I have a pretty strong hand in several of our ERGs, our WAVE ERG that's focused on women in the workplace, where I also run an executive uh, WOW squad, our BOLD ERG. Uh, which I participate in regularly, as well as Valor, which is an ERG dedicated to men and women who have served our country and continue to serve. But at the end of the day, as a white male who has never served the country, I don't fit the profile per se of any of those ERGs, yet I learn an unbelievable amount by being a member. I learn from people's experiences. I learn from what they're willing to share, what they're willing to talk about. Sometimes I learn about hardships that help define me as a human being. And sometimes I learn about success that needs to be celebrated. I also use these as a great way to help encourage employees to network. I will tell you, I recently hired my chief of staff from one of the ERGs that I was a part of, just watching the amazing work that she was able to do uh, for one of those ERGs. So it's definitely that support element and that coming together element that Magda and Harry described perfectly. It's also a great business networking opportunity. And I think a lot of people start to ask the question, where does DEI really start to meet business metrics and delivering results for the business? And right there within these ERGs, 
you're seeing that networking and that partnership and that ability to explore one another's ideas to become key differentiators as we win in the market. So again, there's a, another great example of, of how this all comes to life at Verizon. And well said, Mark, and not only from a business standpoint, but we talk about learning from others in groups where we may not understand because we are not like the other people in the group. There's just so much knowledge there. And, yeah, you know, I, once I, again, a life lesson to just learn more from others who may be different than we are, may have different ways of thinking, which makes me think of partnerships. And of course, we're on the Verizon Partner Network here. So we're talking about partnering with others, of course, you get better solutions, you get better ideas when you can have uh, the old adage, um, better to have two heads than one come together. So what does DEI look like when it comes to partnership when developing strategies and solutions for customers? Yeah, so Verizon has, first of all, done a great job of making sure that the partners we choose to come to market with also value diversity, equity, and inclusion, and you can find that in the fabric of our partner selection. Then when we look at also doing business with those partners though, and then taking that total solution to customers, we find that this allows us to outpace competitors because when we respect the unique needs and, and opinions and perspectives of all team members, we grow uh, just a more inclusive workspace with deeper trust and deeper levels of commitment with our employees and our partners, that allows us to really have a competitive advantage as we literally work with those customers to provide and deliver the solutions that we have out there. So it's critically important that we're selective in, in, in putting this at the forefront of, of how we come to market, right? But then even internally, think about it. Magda said we have over 125,000 employees that are spread out over various work groups. So there are what you might classify as partner work groups within Verizon. I'll give you my own work group, for example, uh, we have a technical sales organization, we have an operational organization, a marketing organization, etc. And when we value diversity, equity, and inclusion across those groups, we really get the best out of our employees. And I can give you examples throughout. One I'd like to focus on um, is one of our employees recently achieved Winner Circle, which literally is the top 10% of our sales organization. They've worked hard for a very long time. They have been instrumental in how we develop our strategies to come to market. They are a part of our technical sales organization. And by creating that level of comfort, they are able to achieve best in class results, delivering for our customers, delivering for coworkers, and delivering really for the Verizon cause at large and helping those customers to find the best solutions. So we see examples of this internally, we see examples of this externally, and it is absolutely a competitive differentiator for us, uh, no question about it. I would say that we also extend that kind of partnership philosophy when we think about supplier diversity. And so we have many opportunities to go to market with partners and vendors that they themselves are diverse and that that brings to the innovation process, right, that creative process, more perspectives, more opportunities to, to have nimble and different solutions brought to, to bear on the products and services that, that we produce. And so whether we're working directly with diverse suppliers or sometimes we're working indirectly through other partners that might be a non-diverse or, or a company that's not owned by a woman or a person of color or a 
veteran or a person with a disability, just to give some examples, when I say a diverse supplier, you may be a prime that then spends your resources, your dollars with those diverse suppliers. What that does is it gives us the opportunity to have tremendous economic impact, to share our success, and to do so with a large group of partners in in the ecosystem that we are operating in. And that's a very, very important piece. And we're always learning and um, sharing. I'm finding myself being invited to meetings with our partners where they want to learn about DEI and you know how we approach DEI because they are also committed, but they might not be as mature perhaps. But what I always tell them is we're learning too. So even if you've been at DEI for a long time and it's been a part of your culture and a fabric of your organization, there is so much to learn all the time from new entrants into this work. So that partner piece, sharing what we've experienced and what we know, learning from other experiences is another piece that I think is very much a part of the business conversation today, um, more so than it was um, you know, a number of years ago. And, and it's kind of all ships need to rise. We cannot solve the issues of inequity one company at a time or one industry at a time. And so we have partnered with the marketing and advertising industry. We have partnered with the legal industry. We've partnered with the wholesale industry, with the technology and IT industries, really so that we could all understand what best of the best looks like and really adopt each other's practices for the greater good. And I think that partnership also extends to our talent strategy as well. We've really evaluated um, the partnerships we have in the community. We've looked at how we're recruiting traditional and non-traditional talent. Uh, we've always had internship programs, but we've looked at things like apprenticeship programs and how we look at really increasing that pipeline for not only non-traditional talent, but diverse talent as well. We've also um, amplified our partnerships with uh, HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, creating executive sponsorship, especially in a technology space when it's so competitive, really building that or strengthening that relationship with various schools that have very strong like engineering programs and really connecting our technical leaders with those schools to strengthen, again, that pipeline for diverse technical talent. So I think these initiatives are all a part of not only our business strategy, but how that applies to our talent strategy and the future of the talent that we're looking to attract. And speaking of technology, speaking of future, I think we all could agree if you were not a techie person before COVID, you were forced to become a techie person because we were all forced into sometimes different parameters than we were used to. Many of us completely changed our work schedule. Some of us business as usual, but remote business, remote engagement became the norm. It, it still is. It's kind of how we're here today. So one thing that I've noticed when it comes to adaption from what the environment needs with regard to what Verizon's doing, case in point, recorded meetings and uh, recording any type of face-to-face -face interaction. Now there's an ability for people that are maybe differently abled or have some issues with accessibility, yeah. you can download that 
and captions will appear in that downloaded video that makes it a little bit easier for some people. You also have chat boxes that you can have notes and you can save them, you can share them, which is is good for people like me. You can you can get distracted. I think our attention spans before COVID here, here, maybe now, after COVID, so much screen time that's all we saw. So it's it's extremely important to have that adaptation. But how have you seen DEI shift in this hybrid remote environment that it's is somewhat new still? I think it's given us an opportunity to connect in a way that we've never been able to do before. Um, when I think about some of the things we were able to do in terms of DEI, I think about some of the courageous conversations we were able to have. And in this format where you would typically have individuals that would only be able to connect with the leader if they were at their particular site, they had access through this remote experience. And it gave our leaders to really have a broader reach and to be able to connect um, beyond their teams or even assist if there was a best practice we were able to share within a particular organization. So I think we were certainly able to evaluate really the opportunity that we had to connect beyond just the scope of where you sit in an area of the country or an area around the world and really leverage that talent to bring everyone together to have these courageous conversations. So it really allowed us to strengthen our reach. I think that reach piece is so powerful. We practiced this bring your children to work day last year. And at first it was like, oh, these are usually site-based. And we came up with a creative way of going virtual. And what we learned was exactly what Harry was talking about. The access and the reach just was exponentially expanded. And so this year, we still are in a pandemic. And so, you know, getting everyone in one location is something that's just coming back. We're just be returning to offices. But nonetheless, we decided, no, you know, we really want to keep that bring your children to work day as a virtual experience because we learned that indeed there were people who were left out that are now in. And so I think that there were many ways that we've learned to create community in a, in a distributed manner using the power of technology. And to your point, Michelle, even the replays have been very powerful because globally, different times of day is another way of feeling excluded and not feeling like you have access. So these replays have been another avenue of uh, reach for us that uh, will stay with us as we move into the future. Yeah, so really great points made there by Magda and Harry, just again, amplifying that reach, being able to reach more people. I would also say, though, coming from a different angle, it challenged us, right, to figure out what does that person's home access look like, right? Things that, I guess it's a whole nother definition of diversity and inclusion, right, where people have different broadband speeds, people have different access of the ergonomic, you know, tools necessary for work. We've got to meet a lot of each other's children. Children that maybe we didn't anticipate meeting before the meeting, but it is what it is, right? People have different size homes and different types of daycare set up. And so again, those were things that we may not have even seen coming into, to your point, Michelle, we were forced into, and it, it really created 
just such a, a great, wonderful environment of, of belonging and acceptance. And almost, I think back before the pandemic, if a child ran by or a dog barked or the doorbell rang, it was, hey, what's going on right now, right? But through what we've been presented with, it's actually quite normal. And then just looking forward to Magda's point, this is here to stay. And when I think of the word inclusion in this regard, right, it, it, it obviously fits a lot of different scenarios. We've got to figure out, okay, so let's say we're having a meeting right now and suppose the five of us were in one room together, but there's five more people that are on the video. How do we make the people in the video feel like they're in this room with us? Doesn't matter where you are. We are all obviously a part of the meeting. We all have great inputs. We all have great questions that we want to ask and we would never want to have an environment of why well, I was on the video. I feel like I wasn't really a part of that meeting or people weren't listening to me. We've got to get really good at that. And we are getting really good at that. However, forward look, we've got to be excellent and flawless at it so that we can continue to differentiate. And uh, I think we're doing a great job as a company in heading in that direction. Yeah, no. And, and to what Magda said, we're still in the pandemic. We're still coming out of it. But as you said, Mark, it's forced us to learn. It's, it's kind of forced us out of our comfort zone in a good way to learn about more about people and learn about what the needs are. So it, it wasn't planned, obviously. We would never wish this, but you look at the good. And, and I feel like from a personal and professional standpoint, the connection that we have had and we've been afforded because of the technology has really been a beautiful aspect of what did not start off and is is really, you know, a, a sad situation. But let's talk about some happiness. Let's talk about moving forward and flipping the switch. And that's why we're here today to really talk about the impact of DEI. And for those who are not having that conversation, for those listening who realize we need to have that conversation in our company, what can they do? What can you share with them with regard to everything we're talking about here today? Some ideas where they can really get involved and make a difference in their own environment. I think if I were speaking to the leaders in the organization is to keep it real. And so you can't take a page out of somebody else's playbook. You have to think about your own culture and make sure that it truly is reflective of diversity, equity, and inclusion commitments. And if it's not, what might you do? How do you look at all of your HR processes? How do you look at how you onboard all the way through to how you separate an employee and everything in between? And I think that is an assessment that every one of us has to make. And we don't just make it once in this journey. It's a journey of continuous improvement, continuing to ask ourselves what, what's next. And we spoke about doing that across all four stakeholders, right? So how do we maintain resonance and relevance for all kinds of customers? who have different needs, whether it's people with disabilities or people with different language needs or, or different solutions that are needed. So that just that part of your culture that you are immensely curious about the needs and really positioning yourself to address the needs of your employees and of your customers and of the communities that we're privileged to, to serve. I think it has to be real. So for us, you know, we anchor it in our own credo. And you read it a little bit ago, Michelle. And I'm sure each company has some statements, some declarations about their values, about their commitments, and about their business strategy. And, you know, I think if it's tied to your business strategy and your core culture, then it's not going to be so resistant. It's not going to feel so foreign. 
I think it has to be very much a part of the business conversation, a shared responsibility and a sense of accountability across the whole team, no matter where you are, that you see yourself in the mirror and you say, DEI starts with me, how I show up, how I interact with other people, how I solve you know, customer problems, et cetera. But I think the culture of the organization creates that space for people to be able to lean in and be a part of that larger community that's committed um, in a real way to DEI. I would add, um, take a look at your employee life cycle internally and externally. Look at the things that are going well within your organization, look at areas of opportunity and bring your employees along that journey. One of the things I think that's been instrumental for us is that this is not just an exercise as an HR business partner, this is a leadership exercise, but we're bringing our employees along that journey as we address, as we elevate these initiatives. So it, it really has to be a collective effort as you look at all of those touch points, those inputs in that life cycle and determine where you want to start. And I think if you have your leaders driving this message, it's more impactful, it's more powerful versus the voice of you know an HR leader, but bringing everyone along the journey, that employee life cycle, I think is critical to the success of any company. Yeah, so, so great points from Harry and Magda. And what they're referring to, right, that life cycle, I think of as what I call the human journey, right? The human journey through their employment and just life in general. And what I would say here, Michelle, is you've got to walk the walk. It's not just about talking about it. It's not just about acknowledging it. But what actions are you taking on a daily basis? And I'll just give you really three quick hits here of how we walk the walk. So number one, let's talk about that human journey. Where are we hiring from? Right. We are now much more proactively seeking diverse talent, diversity of all types, uh, including diversity of thought. For example, in my own organization, we recently partnered with Girls in Tech in Brooklyn. Uh, that's where the particular event was. But they're a global organization that touches over a million people uh, that we're now able to recruit with and partner with for diverse talent. And when I went to that meeting there in Brooklyn that I had the privilege of speaking at, there was diversity throughout that room and not only diversity of gender, diversity of all type. And I just, I was so excited by that event that we're now going to deepen that partnership. So it's walking the walk right at the start of that human journey. The second thing I would talk about is, okay, so now we're moving along the human journey. How are we developing talent of all type, right? And this is where I think the equity piece comes in for diversity, equity, and inclusion, where how are we enabling everybody to move forward in whatever way they like. Some people want to become the CEO. Some people do not. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is that that person wants to do, we need to provide the tools, resources, and development programs that are necessary and comfortable and easy and accessible uh, for these folks to take part in. So I mentioned WOW, which is Women of the World earlier, is one, one program of, we could keep you on the horn all day telling you about how many different programs we have to develop all of our employees. And so it's the development along the way. And then finally, I would say it's making sure that we have not only the diversity and the equity, but the true inclusion at all levels of our organization, up and down the organization. And so what I mean by that is right at our senior level, highest of levels in our C-suite, 
all the way down uh, to our frontline employees that are facing our customers and working with our partners every single day. Diversity needs to be there, not just because it's diversity, but because again, it's that competitive edge. And I think, you know, you asked a specific question earlier around how do we get everybody on board? My message is that if you're not on board, you're doing yourself an injustice. Not only are you doing society an injustice, you're doing yourself an injustice because you're literally, it would be like going to Thanksgiving dinner and only maybe having one of the bits of food where really there's a table of everything and everybody that came from a different member of the family of different background, whatever, try it, learn from it, enjoy it. There's so much more experience out there and it is silly to not take part in what can move the entire world forward together. And so that's what I'd say on this piece here. Really just wonderful thoughts brought to light and, you know, a few buzzwords. I, I brought up sensitivity in the beginning because I really think so much of that stems from being sensitive to those who we want to include, who want to find that acceptance. And all three of you brought up so many great points with what that looks like. And it's not just race, gender, sexual orientation. There's so many things that far supersede just what we normally would put down on a piece of paper when we think of diversity and equity and inclusion. So just wonderful conversation here. I wanted to see if you have any final thoughts before we kind of wrap this up. Michelle, I'll just add one of the things that made it come to life for us when we were adding the word equity, right? First, we were talking for many years about diversity. We expanded that to say diversity and inclusion. Diversity is not enough. And then we added right equity here to this conversation. And so we were like, okay, how do we make that come to life? This has been used many times, but I think it's worth saying here. Diversity is getting invited to the party, right? So now at least you're there. Inclusion is getting asked to dance, right? So you're not just there, but you're actually on the dance floor. And equity is, guess what? You actually get to plan the party. You get to pick the music. You get to pick the venue. And those processes are in place, right? So it's kind of that equity piece is in the middle to kind of be that glue between representation and inclusion and making sure we have all the processes in place so that people can fully participate. And one of my colleagues says, and you should add to that dance scenario, you could dance any way you want to. You're welcome here. I would just add that. Thank you, Michelle. That's great. Harry, Mark? Yeah, so I would just say, hopefully we are allowed to dance however we like, Magda, because I would get thrown out of the dance party if we're not allowed, because I do not have good dance moves. So that's for sure. I know that I can dance any way I want in this great company. And I would like to close on that note, right? Make sure you can dance any way you like, wherever it is that you work, wherever it is that uh, you call your home away from home. Reach out to your leaders, ask for help, be the movement, right? There's just a great uh, saying out there that sometimes you have to be the change that you want to see. So be that change and help us to help you to help one another to move forward together. And I just really appreciate being on this segment today. And with that, I'll turn it over to Harry to take us home. Yeah, no, I echo everything that Mark and Magda has said. I, I think one of the things we recognize is that we all bring something that's different and authentic. Continue to, you know, leverage that and ask yourself, you know, what else can I do? There's always more to be done and, and get involved. 
and recognize that, you know, you have a place and your work matters and challenge yourself to join the conversation. I think that is so critical as we go on this journey together. Beautifully said. As I said before, very powerful, powerful conversation here. And wouldn't the world just be a better place in business and outside if we all strive to do a little bit better, to do good, and to make sure that everybody felt welcomed and included. So thank you for sharing your time today. I know everyone listening out there got a lot of good morsels, food for thought there, and hopefully companies who we addressed who have not had this conversation, who know they need to have this conversation, got some great advice from you and will be able to pivot in a way that it will be a continuing growth process to incorporate DEI and learn from everyone because we learn so much from from each other. So thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to wrap things up. I want to appreciate everybody out there who is either listening or watching. And that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast brought to you by the Verizon Partner Network. I'm your host, Michelle Dawn Mooney. Thanks so much for joining us. And if you would like to learn more about the Partner Network with Verizon and all services at Verizon, you can visit verizon.com. We'll see you soon.